Welcome to the Questionably Qualified Podcast. We are previewing the 2023 NFL season, and we are continuing today with the AFC West. I am your host, John Truxus, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mike Yax. Yax, how you doing, buddy? I'm here. I'm doing great. Good. Good. You excited to talk about the uh, the division with the defending Super Bowl champs? Yes. And the uh, defending train wreck of the year. That's saying a lot, because we've already documented the AFC South. Indeed, yeah, and and we also talked about the the Cardinals on a previous one, which Cat really <laughs> got a kick out of. So, a lot of a lot of competition in the train wreck category. Yeah, that's crazy. But this, I would say this one by a landslide. Just I think with expectations was the yeah. worst. Yeah. Yeah, very important consideration there. I was able to find a beer representative of the division for this one. This one is from Boulevard Brewing in Kansas City, and it is called Dank 7, which is a Belgian-style IPA, which sounds pretty weird, but we'll see how it is. That's a lot of stuff going on, a Belgian-style IPA. Right? Yeah, I agree. It's kind of strange. I do appreciate their commitment to the bit of 7, though. It's called Dank 7. It's 7.0% ABV, and it's got seven types of hops in it. Oh, okay. Well, then... <laughs> no no word on whether or not they had seven Belgians do it. But. We can only hope. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to start with the Las Vegas Raiders this season. And I think that they're a really good case for the division as a whole in terms of if you if you rewind one year, there was a lot of talk about how great the AFC West looked and how fierce of a division it was going to be, and how it made sense that the Bills would be the Super Bowl favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs because the Chiefs would have so much trouble just within the division. And a big part of that was expecting the Raiders to be better, I suppose, than their playoff berth the season before with the addition of Josh McDaniels and Devonta Adams. Yeah, that's definitely right. I'm just trying and to, that didn't happen. No, they 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 stunk. Um, it's just yeah, I'm just trying to get a timeline on all the Gruden stuff. Is that all? That was all over the season before. Or Correct, and then they had an interim season. head coach come in, yes. who yeah, managed yeah. to get them the them to the playoffs. And they which, just told them to go blow. Right, right, and in true. NFL fashion, it's one of those situations where it might have given the ownership the and you know the ownership of the the Raiders might not be the uh, the strongest analytical one in the league anyway, but it it might give the ownership the wrong idea because they managed to sneak into the playoffs on the heels of a strong second half of the season, and they might not have been that good of a team. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And I don't trust Mark Davis to do anything relatively good at all. And I think that starts uh, with what he does at the barber shop. <laughs> I mean, there's if, no doubt that he's <laughs> he's got to have the worst the worst do in the NFL among owners, and and it's not a a, a beautiful bunch. And I'm so sick. I read so many articles about him, and I can't remember a single thing other than that he's a fucking weirdo, and if you need to know anything about him. He's so weird. But, yeah. Wow. Yep. Pretty remarkable. 
Yeah, I don't even know where to start with these guys. Um, yeah, I think you know. Let's try to be as logical as possible, and we'll start with the turnover at quarterback. There's a lot of turnover on this team. Coach-wise, it's pretty much the same, which makes sense because McDaniel's took over and you know hasn't been there long enough to, in theory, be blamed for all of their shortcomings. But they did let Derek Carr walk in the offseason, and they brought Jimmy G in from San Francisco to take his spot. Yeah, yeah. Is his foot going to keep stay on his body? We don't know. And if it doesn't, they got Brian Hoyer waiting in the wings. Oh, and the, and the darling. Actually, it's going to be the kid, Aiden O'Connell. He's like the preseason darling. I, I've seen maybe four or five comparisons of this kid from Purdue to Tom Brady. And I'm like, this, oh, no. this is absolutely insane. Should look this kid up. He looks amazing. That's a tragedy. I was, I was still reeling from your note that they have Brian Hoyer on the roster because <laughs> I thought that he retired like five years ago. I could not believe it. I knew he was in New England maybe a year or two ago, and it makes sense. You know, I'm sure McDaniels needs Hoyer around for, like, some validation. Because when you leave New England and you haven't won a goddamn thing and you still act like a dickhead, nobody likes you. <laughs> but, I mean, at least if you got Brian Hoyer, there's like, dude, I'll pay you a few, you know, a few bills to hold a clipboard and shake your head and nod with agreement. It's a good, good use of funds there. Yeah. So, I think... Quarterback-wise, a question, basic question for you. Raw talent, going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, I I think it's a slight downgrade. Yeah, I think that, yeah, if you're talking about who can throw the ball better, I definitely think it's Derek Carr. Right, and I think we've seen Garoppolo succeed primarily in a Kyle Shanahan offense, which as we've covered on prior podcasts is something that a lot of quarterbacks can say from Matt Schaub to Nick Mullins. (laughs) That's a good pull. Yeah. (laughs) So I think, I think even from a analytical standpoint or, 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 you know, QB intelligence standpoint, Carp, probably has the advantage. I don't know that it's as distinct. I think talent-wise, like arm talent, he has a more more of a distinct advantage over Garoppolo. But it's hard for me to look at it and say, oh, well, with, with the changeover at quarterback, they're going to be better this year. Yeah, I would, I would tend to think that they would be worse. And, like, I just... It's a confusing thing for me, and I think it comes down to, like, the GM just wanted to do something because this makes no sense, right? You've disgruntled your best player in Devontae Adams, who only came here to play with his college quarterback in Derek Carr. And instead of replacing with somebody that maybe, you know, could have discernible talent to throw the ball down the field, you gave him Jimmy Garoppolo, which has shown, I don't know, almost no ability to do that thing. So, yeah. He has no willingness to throw the ball down the field at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, to your point, there, there seems to be a conflict, I think, in terms of what the team thinks it is versus what it actually is. And you bring in someone like Garoppolo, who is a better missing piece for a team that is otherwise well-rounded than he is someone who's going to lift up a team that finished 6-11 and last year. 
Yeah, and then you try to bring another former Patriot in, like, Jacoby Myers, and now you're like, cool. Like, I don't know, man. I don't... Yeah, the long history of wide receiver successes in New England there that you're pulling from. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. So, that would be just the one change that they made there. In addition to that, they let Darren Waller go, which, in a vacuum, I don't mind the decision. Waller has been unreliable, to say the least. Injury he's prone. still got talent, but yeah. he's very injury-prone, and it's tough to count on him, so I don't mind letting him go. Yeah. But, again, it's a situation where I don't know that you would expect an improvement with that. Yeah, and I love that how they, like, uh, they signed and used draft capital to replace him. And, like, I don't under. You know, with the passing game, it's just kind of like you can just replace the catches. Like, Jacoby Myers probably can touch the ball as much as Darren Waller playing in nine games. You know, right. like, so it's like, I don't know why you draft the tight end on Notre Dame and sign, like, OJ Howard to do I, what? I, I don't, it's a confusing team. Yeah, it's just a, and then, you know, they use their first round pick to draft, um, the tight end, or the, the end out of Texas Tech. I can't think of his name right now. But it's like in a perfect world, he doesn't play very much because they just signed Chandler Jones for a few years and he disappeared last year. So I guess if, if you were like, what's the best case scenario? Like Chandler Jones kind of balances out Max Crosby. Then they get this kid from, uh, you know, Tech and they have a, like a really good deep pass rush and Somehow, Josh McDaniels does his little New England scheme, and it works. (laughs) Yeah, and on top of that, you get a repeat performance by Josh Jacobs, who had a terrific year as a running back last season. Yeah, and the last few New England teams that were good under McDaniels ran the hell out of the ball. So, But, you know, we've talked about before again, guys who touch the ball that much the next year. Yep generally is not going to be great for them and he used all those touches in you know what you said a six-win campaign so yep that was the next uh, the next line i had in my mouth is that last season jacobs had 340 carries and he also had 53 catches to go on top of that so he didn't quite hit the 370 threshold for raw attempts but he had over 370 touches and it's just a really dangerous territory to be in. On top of that, he had his career best in terms of yards per attempt, both rushing and receiving, which is just flashing light for regression, no matter what. It's just going to be hard to duplicate that for a second straight year. I definitely agree. I wish that we could talk about the Raiders a lot more, because I just like, I can't believe their current GM's only their fourth since Al Davis. That's mind blowing. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and then but like, Al Davis before he died, he like I did not know Hugh Jackson was the head coach there, but also was the GM the single year he was the head coach, and I love that he did both roles at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, yes, and I like didn't even know that had happened, so I love that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, not maybe not the best best minds behind this organization no no i don't think so i think that's all right well let's not waste too much more time on the raiders they're over under is six and a half 
I am going to go under, even though that's a pretty low number, just because we went over the things that we said, and I, I don't see any opportunities for positive regression, really. Yeah, it's just that if that defense can just be any better at all, they might have a chance, but yeah, I think... Yeah, you're right. They were truly terrible, but maybe maybe I still, still can't forgive them for losing to Jeff Saturday in his first coaching game. <laughs> that was truly magnificent. Yeah. Everyone lost money on that one. I agree. This team and this whole franchise is garbage, and they're, they're going to Josh McDaniels, if nothing else, is just going to, you know, catastrophically collapse into himself like the dying star that he is. That sounds right to me. Perfect note to move on from. (laughs) So with that, we'll move over to the Los Angeles Chargers, who are probably the most boring, talented team that I can think of in recent memory. And I think a big part of that is former offensive coordinator oh, Joe Lombardi, who we have also touched on in, in earlier previews this season. We've talked but, about him at least in two episodes. <laughs> and it feels like he just muzzled Justin Herbert the entire time he was there. I 100% agree with this. We've talked about him on two previous podcasts of this season, despite the fact that it's not the team he went to, and it's not the team he coached on the year before. So, that's... Right. Yeah, pretty remarkable <laughs> that he's come up that much. Especially given the complete, like, I, I don't know, inadequacy that his offenses generally exhibit. Guy is a last name, and that is it. He's a last name and friends with Sean Payton, and that is literally his resume. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. to that point, the Chargers last season finished with an offensive DVA that was 19th. Their offensive line had some injuries that were tough, but they still finished okay in terms of adjusted sack rate allowed. They were 9th in adjusted sack rate allowed. And their offense has Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, when healthy. It just seems like they should be a better offense than 19th. Even unless Herbert goes out, to be honest. Yeah. And is Brandon Staley? Did he, is he the guy that played Mike Williams in the game that didn't matter, and then he died, and then he couldn't yes, play he him in the playoffs? Yeah, this guy is dumb as hell. Probably doesn't even matter that. So he was probably I don't know. It was probably him pulling the strings anyway. So we'll see. Kellen Moore, I think, is an upgrade. Joe Lombardi, but. I agree. So that's that's the case for their team to turn it around this season is that Kellen Moore puts in an offense that actually takes advantage of the talents they have on the on the squad. I think part of the improvement is that you'd also need to have meaningful contributions from their rookie Quentin Johnston because as a fantasy owner of both Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler last season, Eckler is great in fantasy. He's approaching a dangerous point in terms of age for a running back. Keenan Allen is clearly not the guy he used to be and also seems to be injury prone. So I think you're going to need to find a little extra juice in that offense, even beyond just allowing Justin Herbert to throw the ball more than 10 yards at a time. Yeah, I think that's definitely right. I think they really didn't do much in free agency. I agree with, you know, your take about, you know, Quentin Johnson having to do something. And then they, their offensive line just have to stay healthy, I think. 
And if Kellen Moore, I mean, yeah, some of the offenses he put together in Dallas were really, really dynamic. It could be, and probably should be, uh, a renaissance for this team on offense, for sure. I agree. And then if that if they get that on offense, then, you know, Staley has done some, some questionable things as a head coach and a lot of things that have brought him some heat. Some of those I agree with, some of them I don't. To your point, playing Mike Williams in a game that doesn't matter, you got to be a little more careful about stuff like that. Yeah. At the same time, early in his career as a head coach, he was making a lot of decisions based on analytics that were exciting to see someone doing. Yeah. And then in the worst possible set of events, they went poorly for him for a few in a row, and he immediately stopped doing that, which now puts him in the awkward stage of sometimes doing it and following the analytics and sometimes not, which is probably the worst of both worlds. Yeah. But to his credit, the the pieces that made him an appealing head coach and candidate, a lot of it was what he did with the Rams when he was the defensive coordinator there. That was the year before the Rams won the Super Bowl, but their defense was extraordinary while he was there. Now they had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> But you also don't generally have an extraordinary defense without some star power anyway, so I'm not going to yeah. dock him too much for that. And last season, it seemed that the defense wasn't great. They had some injuries, but that's going to be the case when you have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Joey was out quite a bit. But I think if you're looking for hope, then you have the Miami game, where Miami came in really hot, and it seemed like everybody was struggling to slow them down. And the Chargers, who at that point looked like a middling defense, really just put a lid on them and and held Miami pretty pretty low scoring in that game, which makes me think that at least he has the ability to come up with those game specific plans that can really ruin another team's offense. Yeah, you gotta hope for something like that. I think yeah. And then if they can pull that off, then maybe they just don't blow a three or four score lead in their playoff games. Yeah, that was completely wild. We talked about the other side of that when we were talking about uh, the Jags. And, like, that's just kind of – that's what's kind of hard about this team. You look at it on paper and you're like, yeah, man, this is this is going to be a good team. This is going to be a good year probably. But, like, they're also a franchise that its mascot is a verb, like the Lions. Like, Chargers are going to charger. And, like, so, you know, they kind of got to overcome some of that stuff. And when you, you know, give up a 22-point lead in a playoff game, you know, that's not going to, yeah. yeah, it's not going to go well for you. Yeah, so it's not, never in a good context that your your team name gets used that way. No. So with that in mind, their over under is nine and a half. I'm gonna go under. It it hurts me because I like a lot of things about the Chargers. I love their powder blue jerseys. I really like Justin Herbert a lot. I had a good run with Austin Eckler in fantasy, so I like him. But there's just something about it to me that says they're gonna they're gonna Chargers the whole thing up. <laughs> That's definitely possible. I want to just. Keep the schedule. So they got the NFC North. And that should be helpful in the theory. AFC East, which might be rough. Um I think they're gonna go over. And it might 
the difference might be, I guess, what we think of and what I guess is going to be the next team on this list. But maybe it isn't. Yeah, I might, I might just be overreacting to being burned by by cheering for the Chargers in the past because you're right, they went ten and seven last year, so they went they went over <laughs> that number last season, and they replaced Joe Lombardi with yeah. someone who seems to be a, a good offensive coordinator. So this this might be purely a, an emotional play on my part. And having closely followed a team that released Joe Lombardi for. A then unheralded Jim Bob Cooter, whose offensive output I think was something like 1.5 times um, in the eight. Like it was like an eight and eight stretch, eight with uh, Lombardi, eight with Cooter. And I don't think much of Jim Bob Cooter, and I think his offense was much more dynamic. I think. If you get one, I'm just banking on Kellen Moore really getting this thing coming. So we'll see. Yeah, and to, you know, if if he does, and they jump up into the top ten on offense, then it's hard to imagine they don't repeat at least ten ten wins. Yeah, so that's where I'm at with them. All right, let's move on to Joe Lombardi's new destination, <laughs> his new employer, oh the Denver Broncos, because his new employer, which is his old employer. Sean Payton. I get. I guess they're not afraid of of being embarrassed two seasons in a row, so they brought Joe Lombardi on board. Come but on. truly, Sean he's not calling yeah, the plays, yeah, right? Exactly. Sean Payton's calling the plays. So let's. He's basically offensive coordinator in name only. He's just riding those coattails. So Denver last year, we've touched on it a little bit another team in the AFC West that massively underperformed, but theirs was far more comical, I feel like, than the Raiders. The Raiders we all sort of saw coming in terms of, of them regressing. The Broncos, a lot of people thought were going to be really good. They had, you know, an exciting young cornerback in, in Patrick Sertan. Mm-hmm. They were bringing in Russell Wilson to replace Drew Locke, which on paper seemed like a massive upgrade. They had an exciting head coach and play caller in Nathaniel Hackett. People were pretty positive about that hiring as well. Yeah, you can and count it went about as badly as it possibly could. <laughs> yes. And basically all on national, national televised games. Right. Because they were slated with a bunch of the primetime slots, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. At least two times I stayed up on a Thursday night watching just garbage football on the Amazon channel. And just Al Michaels just like roasting the Denver Broncos, which I'm not a huge Al Michaels guy, but it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, in hindsight, losing a close game to the Seahawks in week one and Seahawks and Geno Smith in week one yeah. isn't really that bad of an outcome. The Seahawks were pretty solid last year, True, but, but it turns out that was at, maybe that was close to the high point of their season. At the time, well, the way they lost it was completely right. bananas, and it, it just, yeah, having that be the first week when Nathaniel Hackett flushed that game down the toilet, not knowing whether to kick the field goal or didn't call a timeout, like, just really just coaching 101 time management blunders, and then their yeah, offense I think they had, garbage. I think they had, you know, four or five 
options in that case, and he like went off the paper entirely <laughs> and chose none of them. And <laughs> let the clock run down to the point where he couldn't do anything. And I feel like the you know they're owned by the Walmart people, right? Correct. And they forced him to hire a game management like a game management consultant at some point. It just it literally went off the rails so fast. People were leaking all that stuff about how Russ was like working out on the like in the aisle of the team plane going to England, and he just <laughs> looked so bad. Like just everything about this season was so bad, and now it's just like you plug Sean Payton in, and it's like all right, let's let's run it back with uh this guy we plucked out of a football studio or out of. Yeah, out of the television studio, who, you know, I don't know, man. Sean Payton's kind of a goofball to me. He's definitely a goofball. I I think he's a good head coach, but he is absolutely a goofball. I think I didn't like him very much as a TV commentator, but we'll cover it some more in the Jets section. I really loved all the things he had to say about uh, former head coach Nathaniel Hackett. So (laughs) as good as I enjoyed that enough that I'm all back in on Sean Payton. I still, I, I think he's a goober. I think he's kind of a little bit overrated, but yeah, to, to his credit, yeah, that 2009 Saints team is obviously really good. And yeah, burning yeah, down, fun. yeah, burning down your own front office in a television interview is pretty <laughs> hilarious. You get, I'll give you points for that. I, I definitely love that. There's some real job security shining through there. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, the, I, I, maybe he just doesn't, you know, give a shit. Kind of, he's like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Like, let's, let's get at it." I guess, like, just yeah. At, at worst, I'll go start cashing some TV checks again <laughs> if you guys really don't like it. Yeah, seriously, man. So, so last season, the defense somehow managed to finish tenth in DVOA, which is pretty impressive because they were getting broken down for parts by <laughs> by the midway point of the season. I forgot about that. Is that last year the year they traded Chubb during the season? Yep. Yeah. That's correct. So they were, they were, they were selling it off for parts and I still managed to finish 10th in DVOA. Wow. They had a lot of games lost to injury and their offense finished 29th in DVOA. So there's a lot of room for improvement, obviously. I think my question here to determine what to do with their over under is how do you, see this team being worse than it was last season. I I really don't think it can be, right? Like there's no world to me that it is worse. Um I mean when you look at from a personnel perspective perspective, like I think Javante Williams was injured most of the year. He should be back. Um but they're basically the same team. Um and it's yeah, not and you hope for some Hackett. improvement from Jerry Judy. Yeah, I mean, you hope. I don't see how they can be worse than they were. Because when you look at, at all the guys, and I'm looking at the depth chart now, I'm like, it should have. I was, I mean, admittedly, I thought they were going to be very good last year. So I was kind of blown away by the fact that they're terrible. So it's like, I'm just kind of chalking it up to the fact that I don't think Hackett was kind of ready to do anything as a head coach. Like, and his on oh, Green Bay, it felt like his offense was so finicky and weird. 
And it was like really propped up a lot by Aaron Rodgers having insane seasons. And now people, you know, and I think it's weird for, you know, Aaron Rodgers like loves this guy. And it's kind of like, is it his offense or were you just kind of playing out of your mind a little bit those back-to-back seasons? So we'll see what a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers does in that system. But, and you know, he doesn't have to do anything else because he was a terrible head coach. Yeah, I think we know who the OC is going to be in, in with the Jets. Also, I think that's going to be Rodgers for the most part, even if even if Hackett has the title there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm with you all the way. I, I don't know how they'd be considerably worse. Even just basic timeout usage would improve their outcome in a couple of games. So, with that in mind, I think I think I'm going over on the eight and a half number, which feels crazy because they finished 5 and 12 last season but i really think that's the depth to which they were sabotaged by their head coach and not only their head coach but like their head coach's handling of their new quarterback last season i think that's a big part of the problem too i don't know that it it seems pretty clear that russell wilson doesn't make friends on the team naturally <laughs> and then if you have a head coach who's sort of forced the cows out to him from the jump then I think you've just kind of neutered the entire operation. Yeah. So this is where I'm going to kind of zig where I ever, you kind of set me, I set myself up to zag. I'm taking the under, and I think it is kind of just like, I don't see how Russell Wilson does the stuff that, like, Sean Payton wants to do in this offense. That's kind of where I'm at, like, I don't know if he really did that kind of stuff in Seattle. So, I don't know. We're going to kind of see with all the short check kind of, I don't know, I felt like Drew Brees did a lot at the line. Drew Brees got rid of the ball a ton. He did throw the ball down the field a little bit, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't remember Russell Wilson doing a ton of in Seattle. So, I think it kind of is going to be a similar outcome maybe to last year on the offensive side, unfortunately, but we'll see. Yeah, and to, and to your point, especially early in his career, Breeze would throw the ball downfield, but it was not the same way that, you know, the successful offenses for the Seahawks with Russ yeah. involved a lot of improvisation and extending the play long enough to take those downfield shots. Yeah. And then he would launch those really pretty moon balls that he could oh, just yeah. drop on people down the field. Yeah. And on top of whether or not that'll work with Sean Payton's scheme, there's a, a very good question to, to ask about whether or not Russell Wilson still wants to play that style. He just hasn't seemed as interested in scrambling or extending plays the way that he used to. And that's risky when that's a big, big chunk of your game. But yeah, I'm kind of like, it could go, it could go that way. It could like, I want to say it's going to be better. Like just looking at it on paper, you're like, you should be able to do kind of a lot. With the wide receivers I'm looking at, Judy, Sutton, the kid, they, the second round draft pick, Mims, like, there should be, there should be a good offense here. The defense is good. Um, I mean, so we'll see, but. I don't yeah, know. I, so we're pretty much flip flopping on the, the Chargers Broncos for our, our picks. Yeah, and that's where I think it's gonna, exactly. I think the Chargers are gonna be better by kind of a lot. Yeah. And I, I think two losses to the Chargers might kind of sink that eight and a half number. Yeah, very fair. All right, let's move on to the last team in the division, the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. 
I don't really know what else to say about them besides they won the Super Bowl, they went 14-3, they finished first in offensive DVOA by a lot, and it turns out having Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is a really good start to a season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're gonna what we should say about the defending champs. I <laughs> they were kind of I don't know. Travis Kelsey's uh, little monologue at the end of the Super Bowl about how nobody believed in them. I thought it was a <laughs> little a bit one. much. I was like, I mean, people were like, hey, you know, the best wide receiver in football left your team. Maybe you'll be a little bit worse. He's like, you didn't believe in us. I was like. I think their over under was ten and a half games. And yeah, and they were like <laughs> second or third in Super Bowl odds. It, yeah. The Bills had number one, but it, yeah. they weren't far behind. Yeah, so I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but, whatever it takes to motivate yourself, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. So my my only question, if I'm trying to figure out how this team, I, I can't figure out a way that this team is going to be bad because I just feel like when you have Mahomes and Reed, like you're going to be. You're almost in an offensive line, critically, a strong offensive line. You're going to be like a top five offense just with that. But if there's a problem, the weapons the weapons have to be an issue eventually, right? So Kelsey is great, but he's turning 34 this year. I don't really that understand how crazy. he still gets... Yeah, I, I don't understand how he still seems to get separation from DBs in the open field. It, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it seems like... All of a sudden, he's caught a pass and he he loops around a corner and is is you know speeding away from him somehow. But he's turning thirty four. Sky Moore was a, basically a zero last year. Yep. Kadarius Tony is injured already. Of course. And Juju Smith Schuster is on another team. It's on the Patriots. Is is that Patriots. enough to think that they won't be top five in offense? Yeah. You know, MVS, they got the kid Marquez Bellis Gantling came on a lot in the playoffs. I think they're kind of hoping that he can kind of fill in that role for Juju. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't bet against Andy Reid. That's, I know people used to say that about Bill Belichick and yes, and, and I guess yeah, I don't bet against Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes and, uh, yeah, it's like the only way it goes sideways is if Mahomes gets injured, right? I think so, but I I would watch my mouth because I think Blaine Gabbert is probably the best backup quarterback you could ask for. <laughs> he definitely plays a very similar style to Patrick Mahomes. So, great, <laughs> great stopgap guy. Hey, he can throw every, he's got every angle. He can extend the plays. He's... I, I guess I can't of, believe he's still in the NFL too. I, I can't either. I was flabbergasted that he he was before uh, he was before Blake Bortles, right? Oh yes, he I think it was a year after Gino. Unreal. Yeah, he he was maybe the worst starting quarterback I've seen. That wasn't Curtis Painter, but that kind of wasn't fair. And what, I mean, he was like the guy though, you know? Like, Blake Gabbert was like the guy in Jacksonville for a while, and he was as, as bad as it gets. But. Yeah, that was during their kind of incredible run of missed first round picks. The Jaguars had an incredible stretch of like top 10 picks that all just flamed out. Hey, 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 hey. 
Are you trying to say Blake Bortles at three was a bad pick? I don't even know if I'm including him, because I think he got a second contract. I think it's it's earlier than that. But they had they had Gabbert, they had uh, Justin Blackman. Oh wow! Was one of the receivers yeah. who like, didn't even last the season. <laughs> yeah, he was like he showed he flashed and then yeah, yep. it's like something he died. Oh, he didn't die. I don't think. But yeah, he, he had NFL a injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they had a DB in that same stretch, and all of them just like couldn't even make it to the end of their rookie deals, which is remarkable for top ten picks. Yeah. See, this is the kind of stuff we should do deep dives on. We should have a different show that's not just a pause about, like, just truly depressing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> dig up dig up the good dirt. So, yeah, I think with that in mind, I'm pretty confident taking the over on the Chiefs, even though it's set at, I believe, 11 and a half. Oh, wow. But... I don't know. They were fourteen and three last year. It doesn't even seem like it's that hard for them. Well, you know. So let me present a different view on sure. this. Week one, they open on a, what Thursday night at Arrowhead. They're hanging banners, and then Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions come in and hang sixty-five on them, and then the whole season's <laughs> over. So you they, they just can't recover. Sixty-five to three, and then what? You just kind of you know, Andy Reid retires right there. Travis Kelsey retires right there, and then Patrick Mahomes goes a player coach. Okay, but then they would go sixteen and one. So I don't. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> dude. I don't know. Matt Nagy's gonna look like a mad genius this year, and that's gonna be so annoying because everyone knows it's not him. It's Andy yep. Reid. We all know He's it's an Andy Reid. Utter bum, Matt Nagy, <laughs> and it won't matter. Yeah, like I want you to just give me all your Matt Taggy, Nagy takes. That's what I would like. That's a good. That would be a good use of time. Oh my god! What I do mean, you, what do you think he's gonna add to this position? Do you think also will it springboard him to get another opportunity as a head coach? Do you think he he's white, so it's possible. Uh, I mean, Matt Nagy when he came over to the Bears, I was somewhat excited because I thought, okay, he's coming from the Chiefs. He's he's an Andy Reid disciple. He's not going to be Andy Reid, but we maybe can, he's we can finally least... fire John Fox into the sun. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it, it's got to be an improvement over John Fox, who literally tried to win a game by punting. <laughs> and it, at, at the beginning, I was excited because he was doing some fun things. He did a random throwback to like the wing tee to you know do a little yeah, bit yeah. of Bears history thing, and it was sort of a football nerd move. <laughs> That I thought, okay, cool. Like this guy enjoys the history of the game. He's digging into the history of the team on top of writing a regular playbook. And then it turned out that was about as innovative as he got. Mitch Trubisky went to the Pro Bowl. He he sure did. I saw that today. That that was the thing that happened, and I was blown away. I I had forgotten about that. But yeah, it turned out the only thing he did that was innovative was resurrect formations that were seventy years old. Not even particular plays, because we lined up this way. And watching watching the descent in Chicago of what, for a moment, seemed like maybe Trubisky could play some quarterback. I don't know. You know, it wasn't long enough to see him develop. They made the playoffs. And like you said, he made a Pro Bowl, mind-blowingly. 
And then over the next few seasons, it just got worse and worse, not only because you didn't see any sort of game planning to emphasize Trubisky's strengths, but when it came time to replace Trubisky, he couldn't manage it in the right way. So not only do they have a hard time convincing them to draft someone else, they finally get Fields, they let Trubisky go, they sign Andy Dalton because they want to give Fields time to develop. They don't have any sort of offense installed for Fields at all. And I believe in an interview, he even acknowledged as much. Yep. And so when Andy Dalton, a uh, quarterback in his 30s, coming off of multiple injuries, gets injured, they have Justin Fields running the Andy Dalton playbook. And uh, shocker, there wasn't much productivity there. If you're, if you're an offensive hire... Yeah. You couldn't come up with two game plans, one for each of your quarterbacks who have wildly different skill sets. I remember a bunch of takes during that season that it was like, they were like, he has to be fired this week. Just because it was like, just like, I don't even, like, I don't even have the words for like how incompetent everyone, I I mean, just what I thought too. I was like, how can you do this? Like, it's just so wild to look back. All this, all the stuff he did with like, Run like seven kickers and have them do like a survivor style challenge to see who would like get the job. This guy is trash, and the idea, yeah, that he's like just in the NFL still. Like, well, he's the quarterback coach last year. It's like, why? This guy is a bum. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, yeah, I hope he's I really good at know. like remembering the coffee orders that Reed and Mahomes <laughs> are gonna have for him. Uh, you know, also I hope like some just garbage franchise gives him another head coaching opportunity. That's I guess all we can hope for. When B- Bill Belichick, you know, can't leave the team, who's he trying to leave the team to? Uh, some. We'll talk about that next next episode. Yeah, yeah, next episode when we get to the AFC, which will be a lot of fun. So yeah. Yeah. Despite Matt Nagy's presence, I am taking the over over eleven and a half wins for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think even if they regress a little bit and finish twelve and five, I just have a hard time seeing them fall all the way to eleven and six. I think yeah, it's it's that some of that sometimes it's that stuff where it's like, I don't you know, it's kind of a hangover. There's nothing you can kind of put into like words as to why this would happen, but I'm taking over as well. I think, you know, they're a great team. Excellent. All right, well, that does it for the AFC West. We will be previewing the AFC East next, which I am very excited for. We get to talk about some of our favorite storylines, including a deep dive on just why I think the Jets will finish last in the AFC East. Oh, my stars. You don't... Really? I do. I do. I, I'm becoming more convinced by the day. Not that I'm just in an endless feedback loop convincing myself more and more or anything like that. But yes, that, that's where I'm going with it. Oh, man. Ah. Yeah, okay, we'll talk about it then, but you're going to have to really convince me about why the Patriots aren't going to finish last again. I'll do my oh, best. Guess, I'll do my best. Yeah, again? 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 Wait, I don't remember. Uh, Jets were last last year. Okay, there you go. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much, Yaxi. We will get together for that next one. And in the meantime, uh, have a good week. Yeah, you too.